and welcome to episode Shane 90 of the Cost for Pointcast. As always, I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. Joining me today is someone who I had on all the way back in episode four, and that is writer for Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, Sean Tierney. Sean, thanks for becoming an official friend of the podcast. <laughs> thanks for having me back on, Trevor. It's been a long time. I'm glad it has. to uh, repli- reprise my, uh, my role on the pod. Yeah, of course. Uh, definitely happy to have you on again. And uh, so today we're going to be previewing the 2018-19 Ottawa Senator season. And despite the fact that they're going to be pretty dreadful, I think we can all agree with that, there, there's still tons of different storylines, uh, interesting storylines on this team. And I'm intrigued by a few players on the roster. So to start, let's talk about the most obvious topic, and that's the departure of Eric Carlson. What kind of impact do you think, or sorry, what kind of impact does that loss have on the organization on the ice, but also off the ice? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is something that's been raked and flipped through the media since it happened. I don't think there's there's no risk of overstating what the impact is going to be of losing the true face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. The franchise is you know, the best player the team has ever had, and, and that is saying something considering some of the names that have passed through time, especially Daniel for think, you know him. You know, um, on to, to talk about the trade. And she was mentioning something similar to what you had said about how, you know, Carlson's, he's still in his prime. He's 28 years old. This is a lot different than when Alfredson left. You know, he left at, I think he was 40 at that point. So it's not like, I mean, there was only one more season that he was, he was going to play. So it wasn't, it, it definitely hurt, but this is, this is a completely different animal. And, um, you know, you're right. He, he brought people to the rink, even, even if it was, you know, a game against the Carolina Hurricanes in the middle of January. Um, but yeah, I think on the ice, there's pr- probably maybe one other team, maybe the Detroit Red Wings, that have a worse defense core, would you say? Yeah, I think uh, Detroit, when I was doing my preseason predictions, sort of looking forward, uh, I started them when Carlson was still a senator and then had to <laughs> update everything massively when he left. In <laughs> uh, Detroit, so Ottawa moved to the bottom of my preseason rankings and then Detroit is just a notch ahead but that's um I mean you're really sort of flipping a coin between those two um maybe the Rangers and the the Blackhawks are going to struggle despite having some known names I think that their blue line is going to be fairly atrocious as well so there's a few others that are in the mix and I think maybe somebody like Thomas Shabbat sort of gives you hope that maybe there's something here that'll um be promising but yeah you're looking at one of the worst uh, top sixes in the NHL for sure. For sure. And I also think that, you know, I rate on the guy all the time and uh, for like I sort of feel bad because it, I feel like I'm maybe assassinating his character or something. But I mean, Cody Cece is going to be getting top pairing minutes and he was already getting around, I think he was getting like 23, 24 minutes a night. Now he's probably going to be getting even more. So I think just the fact that he's going to be elevated to an even higher level, I think that's just going to make the D even worse. Right. And um, so one of the things I worked on all summer um, was a roster projections uh, viz that people could go and look at and see um, the way that rosters looked like they were going to break down, who was going to be in what role. And then what their war value, their wins above replacement value would be relative to their role. And like you said, the way the Senators broke down, I had Cody Cece moving up to top pair on the right side. <laughs> um, if you compare what we can project his war value to be, you know, he's, he's still young. Um, and so if you give him the increase that you expect for a player around the 24-year-old mark, 
if you give him that, um, look at his past three years and kind of weight them uh, based on recency, all that. Um, I have him conservatively as a replacement level top pair guy. Um, and I honestly think if the Senators get replacement value as a top pairing uh, player, if they get that value out of CC this year, you know, that they're laughing in a way because I don't, I'm not sure that we'll actually see a projection come true. He's going to be exposed. He's going to get the top line every team sending out. He's going to have to play some power play, and he hasn't really shown any semblance of offensive creativity other than sort of skating down the right side and flipping weak shots sort of towards the net. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's not just Carlson is out and now you need to replace it. It's look who is replacing those minutes and you're exactly. getting significant, significantly less creative people in those spots. It, it could get ugly and it could get ugly quick. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I could rag on him all day long. Um, I won't be doing that this episode, but one more thing to finish off with Carlson. I just think that it's, it's such a shame that he had to go because, well, I mean, he didn't have to go, but just the fact that he did move because he was such a big part of this community and you could see in his press conference how much he loved the city of Ottawa and how heartbreaking it was for him to have to move on. And I think if, uh, you know, if, if it was different ownership, he would want to be, stay an Ottawa senator for life. And it, it's just a very unfortunate situation because he was, he was loved by everybody here and the feeling was mutual. Yeah, and I think, like you said, that's a heart-wrenching part. When you ship somebody out uh, who's made a trade request and they sour on the city or the city sour on them, you can't get a trade trail instead. Of Agreed. I think that breaking... Um, but it honestly makes me wonder what else is gone during well, these different situations. Those- 9-10, that still does give them a few extra wins on the season. That's not going to make them a playoff team, but that's a few extra wins. And in a season where they don't have their first-round pick, a few extra wins would definitely be nice. Um, but I will also say that if they had just waited... Because they re-signed Anderson to to his uh, current two-year contract, I think in last September, so about a year ago. If they had just waited maybe till December or something to to actually talk about an extension, he probably wouldn't have gotten that extension, and he probably wouldn't be the starter. So maybe they would have someone like Steve Mason or Lettinen right now in net. So it's, once again, the theme of the show, unfortunate. It's very unfortunate that <laughs> they have both Anderson and Mike Condon locked up for the next two years because... I mean, neither of them are going to be, I mean, I don't think either of them are going to be very good goalies over the course of the next two years. Yeah, and I think it's funny. So Craig Anderson, that one, if you want to put a narrative to it, I get it because there's been some real public investment in the Craig Anderson and the Anderson family story. Craig Anderson was there for the magical um, playoff run too. And so you know, if you're going to get stuck on your guy, I can see how Craig Anderson becomes your guy. And coming from a person who likes to view things through a stats uh, view as much as I can, it's almost hard to say. But I get the Anderson angle. Um, the thing that kills me is I don't understand where the Mike Condon um, signing <laughs> came from at all. Having somebody locked in as long as your starter when he's shown no ability to really run at the NHL level, having him at two and a half million dollars, like. It's the kind of thing where you can kill your team uh, several ways, and one of them is by a thousand paper cuts. And anytime you fill your roster with Tom Pyatt and Mike Conan and jam these players into these roles and give yourself no flexibility, I just don't get it. I would love to see anybody else, a prospect in net, not that the Sens are deep in that way, but any of their prospects in net get a chance in that backup role, especially in a season where it's probably a lost season, anyways. Instead, they've got a 28 year old 
um, barely NHL backup quality guy who's locked in for a couple more seasons. So we're not going to find out if the future in net is even on the roster because Condon's stuck there. So I'm actually more offended by the backup situation in Ottawa <laughs> because I can understand the Anderson narrative. Yeah. But Condon is that place where you really lose your roster flexibility because you're committed to aged replacement level players. And I just don't get that one. Yeah. I mean, really you shouldn't be giving more than two years to any bottom six bottom pairing or backup goaltender. I mean, I think that's just kind of inexcusable to give more than two years. Yeah. And it's not like there aren't options. Like there's uh Hogberg is in the system. Yeah. Maybe he could be the backup. I would be much more interested to see if he could be, but I mean, even at, at that, the sense still baffle me. Who was, uh, I'm just trying to remember. It's Mike McKenna, right? But, oh yeah. Uh, well, they have but Mike McKenna well, is the other side. McKenna. Right. But Mike McKenna is 35 years old too. And they went out <laughs> to bring him in. It's just, it's this odd obsession with the same kind of age and type of player where it's like Mike McKenna is not part of the solution going forward. Unless you're saying we want McKenna to be in the AHL and that way we can promote one of our young goalies to go up to the NHL. But they're not doing that either. They've got Condon locked in. So it just baffles me the age management of the roster sometimes. For sure. Um, okay, so last segment here. Let's, uh, let's end off with some quick over-unders that I've prepared for you. Uh, I posted these, I think, yesterday uh, for the listeners. I guess it'd be two days ago. Um, and I'm curious to see what you think. So I haven't prepared these for you. Um, but these can be quick, so you don't need a big explanation after each pick. Maybe just a, a sentence or two or something. So, let's start off. First one, Brady Kachuk points, 34 and a half. Ooh, over. Okay, nice. Uh, Craig Anderson, save percentage, 908. I'm going to go under there. That I'm really concerned with his age, and I don't buy the yo-yo theorem. So, yeah, I'm going to go under. Okay. Uh, Matt. Du- okay, so um, context for this. The trade deadline is after the 62nd game. So if a player plays for 63 games, then they've survived the trade deadline. So Matt Duchesne, games played, 62 and a half. For the Sens? Yeah, for the Sens. Sorry, for the Sens. Under. Yeah. Um, Cody, okay. So plus minus, (laughs) obviously garbage stat, but this one I found amusing. So Cody CC plus minus, negative (laughs) 24.5. <laughs> no, oh for context last season wait let me double check what was he last year i think he was i want to say minus 23 let me just double check hockey db he was no oh my goodness oh my goodness he was minus 27 last year <laughs> <laughs> so i can take the i can take the under and still not count on him being very good okay so Plus minus is very tricky to guess what that <laughs> random stat will do. Yeah. I'll say uh, he'll be better than the negative 23 and a half, but not by much. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. So power play rank last year, they were finished 27th. Um, so power play rank 23 and a half over under. Under. Under, under by lots. I, I yeah. can, they might be the worst power play yeah, in the league. So that's not surprising. <laughs> Mark Stone points, 67.5. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give him a clean bill of health, and I'm going to go with the over. Yeah, I, I took the over on that one, too. Um, players on active roster to be traded, two and a half. Ooh. Oh, two and a half. Will more than that be traded? Yes, I'll go over. Over? Yeah, okay. I think I said over as well. 
Um, so last season they finished with 67 points. So the over-under for team points, 71.5. <laughs> so my projection has them at 71 points, so I will take the under. <laughs> the under, you said? Yes, I'll take under. Under, okay. <laughs> wow, that's close. Um, okay, and this isn't an over-under, but um, I wanted to touch on Guy Boucher quickly, but just quick answer, do you think Guy Boucher gets fired this season? Yes. Yes, okay. You know, I think... That's interesting because that's sort of like a um, kind of like a scapegoat for Pierre Doron because he can say, okay, well, I can fire fire Boucher. That kind of buys him some time. Yeah, and it, I won't go long here, but um, yeah. <laughs> I know uh, I know Mark Crawford well enough to know that when he was brought on board, this was always part of the uh, parachute plan. Eventually, that Boucher could be dismissed as a scapegoat, and you still have an NHL head coach with experience waiting in the wings so yeah i see boucher uh if i'm calling it and it's kind of a crazy call i'll say yeah boucher out crawford in Mm. this year interesting i don't think i'd like that but that's an interesting i could definitely see that happening um so lastly what is your official prediction then for in the atlantic division for the senators um so i have them dead last so i would say uh they're in a dog fight with um maybe the red wings should be also atrocious so i can see the two of them um jostling about with each other but yeah i see i see them last and if they do move duchene and stone as we go they'll still have about 15 games left at the end of the season to get even worse so yeah i i say uh i say bottom bottom in their division for sure yeah it seems like there's some pretty clear pretty clear top three pretty clear bottom three in the uh in the atlantic with you know boston tampa toronto and then montreal ottawa detroit so It'll, uh, I, I feel like that's the easiest division to predict, um, but then watch it not be predictable. So <laughs> That's if there's one thing that I've learned just sort of messing around with proje- projections the past couple of years. It's as smart as you think you are with it. You're always wrong. But yeah. I think like I said, that separation of the top three and the bottom three, like that part is, is definitely clear. I have Tampa Bay, Boston, and Toronto projected within about a point of each other right now at the top Ooh. of that division. So it'll be a wild fight at the top and yeah. Florida somewhere middle and then yeah ottawa and detroit are going to race each other to the bottom yeah hopefully they uh, don't end up with uh giving colorado jack hughes <laughs> but uh all right there's there's definitely lots more to talk about um obviously don't want to keep you here any longer on a busy saturday for you but is there anything you want to plug before we sign off here um i guess the only thing i would say is um i'm sort of referencing some of my work the roster projections and my projections for the season so um, you can find me at charting hockey and then my tableau site, uh, is in my bio and I run, uh, a few sort of stats viz throughout the season that I update nightly. So, um, you know, Corsica and natural stat trick do a great job of keeping those stats updated for us. And for me, I'm super visual and I like a, a picture rather than a stat table a lot of the time. And so I make those as much for myself as anything, but, uh, I keep those updated throughout the season so you can check that out there um uh, as we go and fire any questions at me i'd be happy to <laughs> uh, talk about the senators and lament our lot as we go through the season yeah no i can definitely vouch for you the uh the data work that you do is is awesome and i know you put a lot of work into those so it's it's definitely much appreciated much appreciated especially for for some of my articles and stuff like that that's I'm glad if they get used, that's the uh, entire point. So I, I hope that sometimes every once in a while I fire something useful out there anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Sean.
Yeah, I hope we could do this again sometimes. Thanks, Trevor. For sure. As I wrap it up, reminder that you can find the Cost for Pointcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well. Up to 12 five-star reviews on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS and read my articles at HockeyBuzz.com. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, let me know. That's all for me. Adios.